Welcome to the Profitable NDIS Provider Podcast, where we're joined by your hosts, Tanya Gomez and Paul Bryan. In each episode, we'll be sharing valuable insights and tips to help you turn your NDIS business into a profitable venture. So whether you're just starting out or looking to take your business to the next level, you've come to the right place. Let's stop surviving and start thriving. Welcome back to the Profitable NDIS Provider Podcast. I'm Tanya and I'm here with my co-host, Paul. Hey, Paul. G'day, Tanya. Good to be here again. Yes, I'm so excited for today's episode. We are talking all things systems and technology, which is one of my favorite topics. And we have the amazing Rashad from Bremer with us. Welcome. Thank you, Tanya. Thank you, Paul. Look, mate, today I'm really excited to talk to you because all this, uh, you know, systems and technology can be a bit of a headache for some providers who really don't know what they're doing. Um, so I'm keen to find out how can we make life simple? Use the systems at hand, use uh, technology to improve business and improve support as well. So I'm really interested to have a chat. Yes, absolutely. Now I've got a bit of a bio about you, Rashad. We have with 15 years of experience working in the IT sector, Rashad is passionate about purpose-driven technology strategies and solutions to help strengthen non-profit disability support and aged care organizations. As information systems manager for Bremer based in Perth, he is responsible for consulting and supporting the growing base of nonprofit and aged care clients. Rashad helps nonprofit and aged care partners of all sizes transform their digital capabilities and modernize their workplaces using a targeted and industry specific approach and loves using IT and Microsoft 365 knowledge to help guide clients through their digital and IT journey. Amazing, that's, that's a huge bio. Thank you, yeah. It yeah. Is, it is. And you know, we're, we're uh, myself and also Brett Bremer as a whole, we're, we're very passionate about the, the human um, services sector. And we've just got so much information to share. We, we're always trying to get out there and the, in the WA community, bring the not-for-profit and disability sectors together or we'll share these experiences through events and things like that. So this this is absolutely up our alley. Fantastic. Yeah, I love it. But before we begin, we've heard a little bit about you. Can you want to tell us a little bit more about Bremer, what it is you do? Obviously, it's systems and technology, but is there a little bit of a, a, a background to the story? Yeah, I mean, I mean, we we started um, back in in two thousand four, um, and um, we we were originally a, a managed services uh, IT support provider, and and we still are. That is our our mm-hmm. absolute core. Um, however, naturally, probably in the last ten to twelve years, we've just grown into this um, having um, not for profit clients, and and we just realised we we enjoyed the sector and, and we're mm-hmm. quite passionate about it, as I mentioned before. And that just grew naturally. And now about 80% of our clients are in, in the not-for-profit and disability um, space. Um, it allows us to really go deep into their requirements and put our own development time into developing systems and solutions to help the sector. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and just that sharing of information, you know, even between between not-for-profits and and, 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 and EIS providers, that we're, everyone's so willing to share information and help each other with, with their missions. So. That's a really great part about it that we're, we're very passionate about. Um, and we are a partner with Microsoft as well. So we do have in-house expertise around the systems that allow us to, to help these clients through uh, Microsoft 365. Amazing. That's great. 
And so what are the essential systems that an NGOs provider needs? Where, where does someone start? Yeah, so that's uh, it's a really good question and, and a really important one. Um, the the core is is that uh, with any sort of provider, you you with your mission, you're helping your client um, who, who's potentially got a, a form of disability. And um, what your course, you, you need to focus on a couple of core systems. Um, these um, and more commonly, it's your client care system. So your your client management system, where you're collecting your case notes, you're collecting your your details of your client. It's where all the, the evidence is around their information, their NDIS plan details and things like that. That that's that's what your core kind of system is. And then on top of that, you're, you're more than likely going to have your financial system for your budgeting, your invoicing, your financial results, and and so on. My my real key advice there is to try and identify those core, core systems, and which would be around two two systems. If you're big enough, maybe three. You might have a HR system as well. Mm -hmm. However, um, for the smaller providers, you know those are kind of your two core systems that you really want to get right. It's not going to do everything that you want it to do. Um, we always, it, I've never seen seen a system that can do everything for a provider, <laughs> but it, you know, hopefully it can get sort of seventy to eighty percent there. Um, from there, then, you know, it's focusing on that single source of truth that your care system is going to be the one which has all the, all the details in it for all your clients and, and, and your services. We really want to try and leverage the functionality as much as we can of those applications and systems and also make sure we can integrate with them. Because as we grow and as you have other functions that you need that potentially that, um, that uh, application or system can't do, then at least you can integrate with it so that you don't have to have separate client contact details in different systems, yeah. which you have to keep keep up to date. It becomes cumbersome. We're really trying to make things as efficient, as streamlined as possible. Um, and then on top of that, um, making sure it's got the functionality you need. And then also mobility is really important nowadays. Mm. Um, I see very commonly that um, NDIS providers have a workforce that is is a bit transient or out there in, in the community, um, at the client homes. You want to make sure that it's convenient for them to input the information when they can, uh, rather than having it again in that cumbersome process of having to input it later when they're at a computer or or something like that. So so those those kind of key areas are really important, focusing on those core applications. Brilliant. From there you really do want to you do need to build out. You can't only have those. Um, yeah. Um, key areas I see is um, reporting is critical. Um, uh, just for claiming funding for the work you've completed, um, knowing what you've done and what's required from an NDS, NDIS plan, uh, plan perspective. Um, and then on top of that, obviously, there's compliance and governance around um, things like incidents, complaints, compliments, collecting all this information. Mm -hmm. um, and then not only collecting that information, but being able to, to track it and, yep. and and see it through, make sure that it's going, notifying the right people and um, making sure you've got the result to the end that you can submit to the, the various governing bodies like the um, BNDI's Quality and Safeguards Commission. You want to make sure that this whole process is easy because you've got an obligation to them. You, yeah. you have to be able to to do that right. So building out from there, hopefully your, your care system can do that, but maybe it can't. Mm. Um, but um, and then that's where we go into sort of identifying those gaps, um, really seeing what gaps there are. And you, know, you can go out and see other um, off-the-shelf products for those systems. However, one bit of advice, and 
as I mentioned before, we're a Microsoft partner, but the reason we are is because you're already using Microsoft for your emails, you're already using it for your Word and Office and things like that. They do offer more in terms of that, in terms of um, systems such as Microsoft Power Apps, Microsoft mm. Power BI, which can offer a much simpler entry point to filling those gaps rather than find an off-the-shelf product that probably does what you need, but it's you're, you're paying for 100% of it, but only using 25% of it. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. really keeping that in mind, I'm not saying don't go out and buy an off-the-shelf product, but yeah. consider that there are other options as well, which could more suit your needs and more than likely at a better cost point as well. Yeah, absolutely. Kind of what you've described there is outlining the whole tech stack of going, mm. okay, what are the systems that you need? And you mentioned, you know, a, a, a client management system, the finance system, the HR system, making one the single source of truth and then having a look at once you've got that working really well, then what do you do about things like reporting, you know, and, yes. and marrying those together through APIs, real TIs or whatever it might be with integrations. Correct. That, that sounds, that sounds like a really smart place to start, but I feel like that's not where people start. I yeah. feel like they, like I spoke to a client yesterday and while I sp he he has one client, he's brand new, hasn't had his audit yet, his audit is in three weeks time. Um, and, and last time I spoke to him, we we're talking about, well, let's just keep it on spreadsheets for now, one client, that's fine. Let's just focus on getting through audit. You don't need to spend on a system yet. Mm. In the meantime, he's gone and bought three systems and yeah. now he's got the stress of implementing three systems. And it, I, I, you know, tech is another thing that I consult on. I consult on compliance, but I see this pitfall all the time around people who just decide, oh, I just need systems. And they go and buy systems without actually thinking about what's the purpose of the system? What does that look like in my tech stack? And to some, some more times I do this. You know, I, I pay for Calendly. I pay for lots of systems. We actually, in my e-learning business, we spend about $200,000 a year on systems. And mm -hmm. I did a big tech stack review lately because so i was like that's like five percent of our like that's a lot of money i yeah. have more staff for that like why mm. and some of that we need because we have a lot of software licenses because we develop in rise articulate all of those things have expensive licenses but some of it was like we pay for calendly but there is we use google not microsoft um yeah. but they they have google scale uh scheduler was released about six months ago and so that saves us across the organization about 900 dollars a year on not needing a calendly mm. license yeah. if we if we looked at what are the functions inside the tech stack we already have and i see that inside the client management system they do go and say okay let's go and buy another system to plug this hole as opposed to even speaking to someone like yourself and saying well how can we do that with the tech that we've got Yep. Can we develop it? Can we add to it? Can we integrate it? And you might need a middleware like a Zapier or something in between, but there's a lot of tools out there that do these yep. things without investing in yet another system because people hate multiple systems, right? Exactly. Multiple yep. passwords, yep. multiple navigation points. Yep. Mm. Absolutely. Yeah. You bring up a really good point because I talk to a lot of providers who have uh, something installed in their business. Um, and it's usually, you know, we, we, let's take shift care for an example. Yeah. Uh, we got shift care and it's great. And it does this one thing. And I'm going, just let's look at what shift care does because you're spending a lot of time doing a lot of stuff you mm. shouldn't have to. Um, and they're not getting their head around the idea of, you know, everything that could be integrated into their business to make life a lot easier. And when you expand that out across everything that they're actually using, um, having someone like you come in and actually go, hey, this is what, we could actually relieve a lot of time and effort because the hours that a lot of these providers are spending on stuff that could be automated, 
that could be all housed in one location rather than having all these different bits and pieces. And I think it brings into sharp relief because a little while ago we spoke to Care, uh, Chris from Care BPO around you know offshoring mm-hmm. um, staff and having that centralised information point is going to be so important yeah. to make this work really well. Yeah, just and just from an onboarding point of view for yeah. staff as well, yeah. to, for them to expect to learn all of those systems and imagine the time and training you have to put into all of that as well on top of all the costs yeah. of, of this of the software. Um, and you know, you mentioned automation, which is absolutely. And but when you've got a core set of systems that you know are integratable, it makes automation easier as well. Yeah, yeah. Rather than having separate systems, say, like, oh, you know, that information's in this system, but we also need that information from this system. Yeah. It's like, well, why can't we just put it in, in this system? Yeah. It's like, well, no, but that system needs it because of this function, which we hardly ever use. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, <laughs> yes. <laughs> Have yeah. we have we not no, hit something on that? Yeah. Well, on that point, what are some of those pitfalls that you see uh, providers falling into when it comes to their systems? Um, so, the the first point there would probably be um, around seeing so many systems in place, which I think yeah. we, we've sort of just yeah. just, just talked about. Um, so, I think in terms of avoiding that, um, probably making the early call on the suitability of your core systems. Yeah. You know, if you're if you're wrestling with it, or if it's you're finding you're having to go out and get other systems to to cater for too many gaps, have a look. You know, could could you find a different system? I know, and it is a big deal to change a care yeah. system. It is, especially if it's very embedded in your in your mm. organisation. But um, it's definitely worth a look at, um, especially if that's causing unnecessary complexity. Um, can you find something that's going to hit eighty percent of the functionality um, that you mm. need out of that? So. Really um, focusing on on those core systems, I think, is 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 something that I see see too often that isn't isn't doing isn't happening because it's got lack of API support, it's got lack of mobility. You know, we we had a, a situation where uh, one provider um, actually couldn't insert their case notes directly into the the care system because they couldn't do it from their tablet device, which their care workers had when they were going out into the right. community. They ended up having to just lodge those case notes into Microsoft Teams. Um, so you've got security issues there. You've yeah. got um, or, like the organisation of that information, data disparity, which we'll talk about a little bit later as well. Um, it's it creates all of these complexities. When wouldn't it be great if you just take your tablet, put it directly into the system, yeah. and then you're done. You don't have to remember it for later. So that that I think is a, is one one sort of pitfall. Um, the other one is that data centralisation. Um, NDIS providers, more often than not, probably all of them, collect very sensitive information um, about all the clients and and things like that. So we really want to make sure that it's easy to manage and secure this information. Mm -hmm. If you have it sitting in, uh, and we've seen it sitting in server drives, people's personal OneDrives and desktops and mobiles and things like that, and it's like, oh, the data's just everywhere. Yes. So um, really trying to, to look to centralise that just makes it easier to, um, to make sure yeah. that you can secure that data um, and then also start accessing data from unsecured devices. Um, you know, I just can't stress enough around, um, you know, security is so important. Um, there's, there's your reputation is, is so important, in, especially mm-hmm. in, this, yeah. in this sector. You can't be having this data leaked. So having um and and it can be as simple as someone accessing your information from their personal device if they're doing that you need to know about it make sure mm-hmm. that they're not saving any information on their on their personal device making sure you can ensure that that is secure 
because it's a massive, massive security breach um, if it is leaked. Yeah, um, I think Tanya's uh, compliance and auditing is just uh, pricked yeah. up there. Absolutely, yeah. And yeah. I, I think it is just something that nobody takes seriously about. Mm, like, mm. I think Medibank bank hacks really helped highlight it. Yep. But I, I think still people think, oh, it's never going to happen to me. I'm just too small. Yep. Oh, nobody cares about me. Yep. But if it did happen, think about, you know, in a risk matrix table, you have you know, the, the risk, if it did happen, it's catastrophic, right? So it yeah. should always be a high risk in your business. Yeah. It's surprised when I read risk matrixes that often people have it as a low risk and it's like, mm. it's not a low risk. Yeah. It's a high risk, you know, especially with everyone having the same passwords so, or, you know, yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> all, yeah. all of those things. I mean, just, just something simple as implementing multi-factor authentication. It's yeah. such a simple thing to reduce yeah. your attack surface and Sometimes the amount of convincing I need to do to make it happen is quite, quite. But I don't have to log in twice to the yeah, program. Yeah, yeah. But the other, the other sort of pitfall I do see is um, also um, compliance and accurate record keeping. Yeah. So um, you know, there's strict standards around um, incident um, incident reporting. Um, I see this in the aged care sector and also uh, for NDIS providers. Um, typically. Uh, People are kind of stuck in the in the days of just writing something on a piece of paper or sending some information over email. Um, you could forget what information you need to collect. Um, the the care worker needs to maybe follow up. Hey, did you did you receive that information? This person yeah. just had an incident. Like they have to follow yeah. it up while they still have to care for their their um, their client. Um, so putting um, putting a system in place to that just gets it off that that care worker's chest as quick as possible being able to put the information in submit it and then get on with their their mission um, mm -hmm. is is really key and something we really try and enable yeah. so that once they hit that submit button they've got the peace of mind knowing it's going to follow the process it's a serious incident my manager or the ceo is going to know about it and it's yeah. going to be lodged with the commission within 24 hours yeah. because the systems are in place and that automation yeah. is in place for it to happen yeah. without any human intervention and I can focus on my job. You know, yeah. that's the that's another kind of key area. These manual comes and process, which we've all gotten just used to. Yes. You know, it's it's naturally not that hard to change. It might be a bit of a cultural shock, but yes. it's not all that hard to change. Yeah, and where where I see that process fall apart is that usually they have figured out to, to you know whether they do it well or not is another question. But the support worker reporting the information usually that be, is done, whether it's a paper based form mm. or not. But what doesn't happen is the standards also require them to not just look at an individual incident as it happens, but regularly, whether it's annually or you know biannually or quarterly, depending on the size of the organisation, looking at trends in all of those incidents yes. and looking at trends in all of those complaints. Yeah. And so many of those systems just don't allow that, mm -hmm. don't allow you to go, right, let's have a category of incidents, let's yeah. have a category of complaints, let's run a report by category, let's look at what that looks like in something like Power BI of how many incidents, was the same worker involved, was it yeah. the same participant involved? How do we then, at a at a governance level, use risk-related data to make better decisions? Yeah. That piece is, is done hardly ever. Mm. I've, I might have seen it done well a handful of times in hundreds of audits. It's, it's not on people's radar. It's let's just do the bare minimum of getting yeah. in the system, but the system's almost impossible to get anything out of Correct. to make any kind of... Um, decisions around that or any kind of yeah. you know data to come out of it yeah yeah exactly in and a meaningful way yeah and, and we had a, a specific example where we rolled out a, a digitized um, incident um, 
management application um, utilizing Power Apps. And um, that organization actually tripled their the amount of incidents that were being recorded after putting that in place because it got so easy. Yeah. Not that there was more incidents happening, they were just easier for them to record it. And so mm -hmm. that's a massive risk if you're not recording all your, all your incidents just because it's a little bit of a hard process. Yeah. You know? so. and, and when I go and see people at the midterm order or their recertification when they've been working two to five years and I, I go through and they have no complaints on their complaints register and no feedback. <laughs> I don't think, wow, what an amazing business. I think yeah. there's a hole in your reporting yeah, system. Absolutely. <laughs> you're telling me, you're yeah. telling me in five years yeah. you haven't got any feedback. You know, yeah. like I get feedback from my staff every single day. Yeah. Where has this been captured? Yeah. If you, you've got nothing in your register, it is more of a risk. It, is, it just yeah. Im impacts all things. Like you can't mm. make better decisions. You don't have transparency. It's, it just, it, you know, it's like putting your head in the sand. Yeah. Being an ostrich mm. doesn't work in the That's sector. Correct. You need yeah. to know, have your finger on the pulse, mm. know what's going on in the organization. Um, so the, the the next question for you was around, we've talked about pitfalls. Now, what are the top three tips for providers to make good decisions about selecting their technology? Yeah, so um, as there's only three, I'll try and <laughs> choose, choose the best three. Um, I think the first one would be, like I said, those core apps, I can't stress enough about just yeah. making sure that they are fit for purpose. Um, they can be integrated with um, however, one thing that I will add to that is that an, another thing we've seen work really successfully is enabling champion users within yeah. the organization. Mm, yeah. um, this doesn't have to be a full-time role. It could just be someone who um, has a high touch within that particular department or, or service and um, has just a bit of capacity to be able to be involved in the process of that system with that care system, understand the ins and outs of it, not to a technical point of view, it doesn't have to be that, mm. but just have a bit of a drive to be able to understand so then they can be that person that the organisation can go to to ask any basic questions rather than having to pay someone else, an external consultant to, yes. to, to mm. give them that support. Um, they, that person would have aligned to that external consultant if they ever needed it. And, and when things get sophisticated, they reach out and get their help. But hopefully that provider can help at the same time as enabling them and upskilling. And that's what we aim to do with any sort of systems we implement because um, a lot of the providers we work with need to, to run lean. And, um, and, and this is a fantastic way of, of doing that, being able to have someone internal to really own those systems and have have a bit of ownership of it, being able to liaise with support when required, but then also support the organisation or support the onboarding process of new employees to use those systems. So that's a really big one for us that, that we see as has worked very successfully. Yeah, I, I think that's key. I think you can't roll out a new system without mm. someone internally Absolutely. because it's the implementation of the system is usually where it falls apart. And where it falls apart, at least what I've seen in in, in the e-learning space where we consult on different systems is I see the problem where the owner or a decision maker has decided on a, on a system without any kind of consultation with staff that don't have buy-in. And then they say, right, 1st of July, we move to this system. The data's in there. It's yeah. live. Go. And everyone goes, no, nah, yeah. I'm yeah. not using it. It's too yeah. hard. You know, and if, if the rest of the staff aren't bought in, you can't get that buy-in for people to use it. And then they either use the bare minimum just to do what they are scored on, you know, whether it's in their job description, they have to do these three things. Yeah. They will do those three things, but they won't explore it. They won't embrace it. They won't look for other improvements. Mm -hmm. 
it's this, you know, direction of we're moving as opposed to this is the journey we're on together, that that cultural shift, that cultural yep. change and having somebody embedded into the organisation that other people go, oh, well, Tanya can do it. And and I like to choose people or I, when I've seen it work best in my businesses, like we've implemented so many, we've moved every single year, we've moved CRMs. I'm one of those businesses <laughs> yeah. where we, we started with something simple. We, we improved, we improved. Now we're in HubSpot costing us $40,000 a year for a CRM. Ridiculous, yeah. um, but it was the person that we choose. I try to choose a non-techie person. We got lots of techie people, but I figure if I can choose a non-techie person to get excited about the rollout of HubSpot, yeah. then that will be inspiration for everyone else to go. Well, they can use it, and I know I'm better at tech than them. Or they can use it, and they do the same role as me, so it can't be that hard. Yeah. It's that it's it's really a mind shift, isn't it? That has yeah. to occur. Yeah. 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 It's more about the mindset than it is about the technology working mm. or not. Yeah. I think another point you hit on there was really good around bringing everyone along on the journey. Yeah. yeah. Making them involved in the process. Don't just drop it on them. Bring them along, explain why. And, and they need to hear this from someone internal that believes in it. Yes. Not, you can't get the provider, uh, an external consultant to come and say, hey, this, this product's really great. And this is why. Yeah. It's going to be better coming from the person who's, who's internal, yes. who knows the systems and is trusted. So that's, that's it Involve key. them in a training needs analysis, yes. ask them about the pain points in the yeah. current systems, look and mm. you know, do this as a staff improvement exercise, not just we're saving, trying to save 20% on our tech budget so yeah. we're moving systems. Do it as, right, what are your pain points with this system? What would you love to see in this system? We can't fix all your problems, as you said, but we can get 80% of the way there. This system gets us from 50% to 80%. Yeah. You know, let's move to that and focus on the improvements for the businesses rather than the cost savings because Correct. staff yeah. using systems don't care about your cost savings. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Look, I, I had a conversation recently with a provider who had was just moving to a new um, software to, to run all their case notes and rosters and all that sort of stuff. And I asked them why they were moving, and it was because this new program did everything that they wanted it to. A month later... It doesn't. <laughs> a month later, the team, uh, I'm not using that. It's such a hassle. There wasn't a lot of buy-in. It was just sort of a, oh, this would be a great idea if we could do all of this in one place. And one of their team came to them and just said, you know the software we used before did all of this, right? <laughs> so after the, the training, yeah. the setup, the headaches, and all that sort of stuff, they've actually gone back to the system yeah. because they're using it properly now. Yeah. yeah. And I think that when people really get an idea of what this, even the systems they're currently using can really do for them and, you know, what other systems are available, is it, is it beneficial for all of my team to have access to everything um, or is that not necessary? Yeah. Right? Or what are the things that I'm falling behind on in a manual process where we can put this into place? It's often not the system, right? It's often how you're using the system oh, yeah. or the setup of the system. And mostly come back yeah. to the user, right? Uh, absolutely. And yeah. I, I know we just moved from Keep to HubSpot, as I said. I know HubSpot can do everything. So Keep can do everything that HubSpot did. But the person in charge of sales and marketing wanted HubSpot and wasn't going to give up. So I went, you run the department, let's give you a tool you're happy with. Yeah. But I know it was how they were using it. I could have invested that money into better training and better support, but I tried that over a year and a half and I just was like, I'm sick of having the same conversation, yeah. so I'm going to give in. 
it does, it's not yeah. that important to me which system you use. If this is going to make you happier and make your job easier, I'm going to do it. Yeah. But you're right. I see a lot of the time people just go, oh, someone else said this system is better as opposed to investing and speaking to someone like you about the the other things that system can do because tech changes so quickly. New releases come out all of the time. There's so much that a system can do today that it didn't do yesterday. And often you can also pay a little bit of money to get a few developments done as opposed to adding yes. something else on. Yes. Yeah, that's brilliant. Yeah. Look, we, what does it look like? We actually missed one more of your three yeah. uh, oh, tips. So you've yeah. got core apps, enabling a champion user. Yeah. The other one I'd say is um, nowadays we're making things a lot more accessible. As I mentioned before, you've got a frontline workforce who are hardly in the office or, or out, out at, at, at the homes and in the community. Um, so accessibility and also security go hand in hand. As we're making things more accessible, more mobile, we're increasing the risk of, of that yeah. of that data. So um, the the key there is to to really make sure that you know where your data is being accessed from. Yeah. So so really try and understand where you are at at a security perspective. Find out where who's accessing data, what device they're accessing it from, where they're accessing it from, um, and make sure that your security policies are abiding by any sort of governance standards and things that you're obligated to do. Um, and as I mentioned before as well, really reduce your attack surface because mm. at the yeah. end of the day, um, you are going to get attacked mm. <laughs> and, and someone is going to click on a link no matter how much you say, no matter how much education. We're humans, everyone makes a mistake. It's going to happen. We really just want to make sure that when it does happen, that the minimum amount of damage can, can, yeah. can occur. Um, there's a um, there's a governing body called the the ACSC, um, the Australian Cybersecurity uh, Commission. Um, they released a set of standards called the Essential Eight. You might have heard of it before. Mm, yeah. um, these are this is a great starting point. It's it's they've sort of made security a bit a bit easier to understand, and and it's a great way a great starting point in terms of understanding where you need to look at to secure your data. It's simple things like backups, multi-factor authentication. And, um, and and other items uh, around that in terms of securing data, but a great way, great place to start in terms of understanding um, where, where to look at. Brilliant. So what does it look like for someone who needs a hand to get all this stuff in place to contact you? What, what happens? Yeah, so um, it's always a journey. Mm -hmm. um, as I mentioned at the start, we are primarily a managed services IT provider. So we do everything from um, IT support, consulting, strategy, projects, um, and obviously specialising in um, the, the Microsoft 365 mm -hmm. ecosystem. A key um, is though that um, sometimes we do find providers who um, already have a, 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 a IT support company, but generally their um, their functions are just the IT support, fixing computers and, and making sure the users are, are yep. able to do their job. Um, where where we come in a bit uniquely is that we do have that that Microsoft 365 expertise and um, and we can help with uh, enabling those champion users within the organisation to fill those gaps and and help implement systems to to move forward. And how that looks like is that we generally partner with the organisation um, and we'd help build out a roadmap. Um, so kind of really get to, to understand the, the environment, um, the IT environment, and also the business environment that they're working in, and um, put together a set of initiatives, which would include um, various projects, and which would include uh, 
business benefits, deliverables, and also indicative costs. At the end of the day, we also need to deal with boards of, of these of these providers. Um, we need to convince them. We need to to bring yeah. the state, get all the stakeholders on the same page, and being able to provide an eighteen month roadmap of look here you are now. Here's where you want to be. This is what needs to happen, and here's an indicative cost. Yeah. Is the is a really good step in terms of of getting them in them involved in the process and understanding what what's ahead of them. Um, this also includes us doing a lot of demonstrations. We've developed um, demo environments where we've built systems such as incident management apps, um, contract management apps, vaccination mm-hmm. reporting, all of that, um, things that we can come out and demonstrate to the wider stakeholders and really right. get them understanding it. Um, so um, we really help help with uh, improving productivity and collaboration in the organisation, um, utilising document management systems, uh, control documents for policies, forms and procedures, um, and uh, also creating something as simple like a, a, a employee portal, where, which opens up as soon as the employee logs in, they've got the, the tools that they need, uh, links to all the tools they need, They've got links to all the documents that they need related to them within a couple of clicks. Mm-hmm. And then also while they're at it, they can read the organizational news and communication. So that's a great way yeah. to create a bit of culture and community, yeah. especially with that disparate workforce, you know, bringing everyone else to the same message and um, creating that sort of hub for them to access. And that's all done within Microsoft 365. Yeah. And um, the great thing is, is that if, if, the, if the provider is a not-for-profit, you get a lot of that for free. Um, so it's they're, they're fantastic tools um, to be able to do that. And um, and you know, the, I guess again, just honing in on that on that enabling champion users. Yeah, you know, we yeah, really um, everything we do is about is about that um, to bring in place. Yeah. So is this just for larger providers or are smaller businesses any of this sort of thing too? I think smaller businesses can definitely um, get 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 into this. Um, it's 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 a all of these solutions are very scalable, um, so it, it really depends on what the, the needs and wants are of of the organisation. Yep. We have um, we have clients going from sort of ten use ten corporate users to up to five hundred. Yep. So um, and the same concepts work work across yeah. from the small to the large. It might look a little bit different when you get into the detail, but overall the concept is the same. That was great. There was so much that I learned today. There were so many cool new terms that were at least new to me who, you know, I love tech, but I'm not in tech. Um, I love the term attack surface. That's really cool. (laughs) I liked a lot of data centralization. That was also, that was, you know, something that I I really love. I think the, the, the most important piece of information that you spoke about today outside of cybersecurity, I think cybersecurity is probably the most important, but mm. it's not really that sexy, is it? Yeah. Um, <laughs> but I think making the good decision about your tech stack early on and thinking about yeah. what that looks like and what you need from each system, actually sitting down and thinking about that before you act and spend a lot of money because moving systems hard, data files, pulling things out, migrating data is all just such a nightmare. If you can get it right, you'll save yourself headaches, money, time, and having a conversation with someone like you in the first instance on what, you know, it's almost system architecture. What do we need? What does that look like? What's best for us? How do we solve these problems? As opposed to just winging it and figuring it out themselves and realizing that they've Mm -hmm. spent too much money and too much time on getting it wrong. Yeah. 
No, I think you're absolutely right because, as I said before, there's so many different uh, levels to this. And, you know, a provider with just a, a few staff has uh, some really simple systems in place. Um, but I've just seen so many people go from that point of, you know, having a small business and all of a sudden they've exploded and they're still using these same clunky little, you know, two and three person systems and uh, they've, they've got everything manual. And I think that having a conversation with you um, early on is going to save a lot of people yeah. a lot of headache. Absolutely. <laughs> and, and, you know, as I mentioned before, we're, we're always keen to, to share um, and that's that's what the the, the community and the, the industry is all about. And I've, I've shared some links um, around. Uh, we've got on our website. There's um, a page that outlines solutions and services we offer in the disability space. There's right. a there's a form there that you can fill, um, providers can fill out and to get in touch with us. And um, so that's one way. Um, for the security side of things, um, we we have put together also an essential eight uh, self assessment yeah. uh, form. Which um, people can log in, fill it, fill it out. It's all general. But we're not asking any. We're very security conscious, and so we're not going to ask you for your passwords or anything. Like that. Please don't put your passwords in there. Um, so um, you can you can fill out that form. Um, we'll we'll generate a report for you, and then actually also have a little little free workshop with you to to just give you some advice and direction on where to start um, around your your security side of things. Um, and we've also put together a, a not-for-profit premium guide, which outlines everything I've talked about today. Yeah, it is not-for-profit uh, specific. However, it will, will definitely be a benefit in the disability sector, um, for the disability sector as well. Um, so that's also download, downloadable from our website. And do you only work with clients in Perth or do you work with clients remotely across Australia? Um, across Australia. So um, we are uh, expanding our, our services in Sydney, um, however, have, um, have, and actually a lot of our clients, although based in Perth, have a lot of offices in the East Coast as well, mm-hmm. um, and especially, um, you know, uh, regional regional WA up north and, and, and everything. So uh, although we are primarily based in WA, we are branching out and, and trying to spread our, spread our messages of, um, and experience across, across Australia. Amazing. Uh, what's the best way for someone to get in touch with you if they need to have a bit of a look at their systems? The easiest way is probably send me an email. Yep. <laughs> um, Rashad at bremoff.com.au. I love to chat and I love to solve problems. And what I always say as well is that every time I speak to a provider about their challenges, I learn something as well, which yeah. I just love. So yeah. um, so definitely keen to, to have a chat um, to, to help and, and solve any sort of uh, uh, challenges that are required. Otherwise, those links that I mentioned before have those forms. If you want right. to go, go through the system um, and, and meet with us, that's definitely uh, an option as well. But, uh, but yeah, um, feel free to, to send me an email or, or connect with me on LinkedIn and um, we can definitely uh, organise a chat. That's brilliant. Look, thank you so much for joining us today, for throwing some light on uh, what is probably a bit of a headache for some people around all these bits and pieces of systems. Uh, next week, we've actually got uh, Chris returning, Chris the NDIS Ninja, and we're going to be talking about getting an ROI on your digital marketing. So please join us next week, team. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you so thank much. You Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Profitable NDIS Provider Podcast with Tanya Gomez and Paul Bryan. We hope you found today's episode informative and valuable. If you enjoyed the show, please don't forget to subscribe, leave us a rating and share it with others who could benefit from our insights. Until next time, keep thriving.